So we all know this scripture. We know the parable. Um, I just want to make a few observations from the parable. So first of all, we don't know what the context of the teaching was. The verses that precede and follow the parable don't really talk about the context within which Jesus Christ taught the parable. But we know from the first verse what the purpose of the parable was. The Bible says Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. They should always pray and not give up. A key to receiving breakthrough is to pray, keep praying, and not give up. Various translations for the word give up, they say faint, grow weary, discouraged, lose heart. He says pray and not give up. And there are certain characters in the parable that I just want to quickly highlight. The first is the widow. And there are qualities of the widow that we would we can glean from this morning. The first is that she was persistent. She was persistent. The Bible says she kept coming. She didn't get discouraged. She didn't lose heart. She didn't grow faint. She kept coming. The other word that describes this, car, this um, widow is that she was bothersome. The judge said, she keeps troubling me. Other translations said, um, she's pestering me. One said, she's driving me crazy. The Greek translation for that word, pestering or troubling or bothersome, is um, to be in your face in an up close and personal way. The lady refused to give this guy a break. Day and night, he would get out of his car, she's there. Going to the court, she's there. Day and night, he was up close and personal in his face. And then Jesus Christ said something, okay, I'm sorry, then the other um, um, character is the judge, right? And so the Bible describes, he said he did not fear God. He did not care what people thought of him. This man had a heart of stone. There was nothing he could do to sway him. He cared for nobody but himself. Jesus Christ described him as unjust. Some translations say he was corrupt. He was wicked. But then Jesus Christ said something that really is a lesson for us today. He said, listen to what the unjust judge said. Listen to what the unjust judge said. What did he say? He said, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, Yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. So she won't come and eventually attack me. And so Jesus was highlighting a principle about the importance of persisting 
when nothing else works, when nothing else will give, persistence will win. Even a judge as unjust, as impenetrable, the persistence of the widow was able to move the needle when nothing else could. There's a scripture in the Bible, I think it's in Hebrews, that says, let us through faith and patience, faith and perseverance. I believe when we talk a lot about faith, Jesus Christ highlighted faith throughout the Gospels. Many times he would say, your faith has made you well. Or he would say, oh, you of little faith. I believe faith and persistence are different sides of the same coin. Through faith and perseverance, faith and patience, we inherit the promise. And so I'd like to just make a few points before we, we close. The first thing I want to highlight from the parable is God is good. God is good. Sometimes when we read the parable, we try to equate God with a judge, and he's not. The judge was wicked and just. He didn't care. Our God is just. Our God is good. Our God is for us. The Bible says, will not God work quickly, suddenly for his chosen ones? We are his favorites. But many times the enemy tries to put a little bit of gas in our lives. Well, he cares about you and he cares about me. But what about me? Does he really care about me? Let's settle this in our hearts. God is good and he is for us. He is not wanting us to grovel and grovel and grovel and harass him like is described by the judge. That's not who God is. But there are principles that operate in the affairs of man that we must abide by in order for us to get the answers that we're asking for. So that's the first thing. The second thing I want, um, the second point I want to make is you have to ask. You have to ask. For whatever reason, God has chosen the vehicle of prayer to operate on the earth. I think I've shared before what John Wesley says. He said, God does nothing but in answer to prayer. But as human beings, we are, whether in our self-sufficiency or whatever, we have our plan A, plan B, plan C, up to, you know, and then if that doesn't work, then we go to, well, God, please, can you, you know? The little things, I've got this, maybe the big things I go to God. We don't have a, 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 a natural inclination to ask. But God is encouraging us. He said, men ought always to pray. We have to develop the habit, the innate reaction to ask. I remember doing Bible study, um, a Bible study group that I, I um, belonged to. Uh, a couple was sharing with us about his, um, his kids. And he said, there's something we are teaching our kids to do. We teach them to always ask, always ask. He said, never presume that I will say no. It is my privilege to say no. I may say no, but don't not ask because you think, oh, daddy will say no. Just go ahead and ask me. You'll be surprised. You have nothing to lose. And it's a habit that they said they are teaching their kids. And I pondered that. I said, that is a very good habit for us to learn for ourselves and to teach our kids. And it reminded me a story of when I was growing up. I think I've shared this story before. When I was growing up, I was in boarding school in Nigeria. And um, the members of the music class were traveling on a trip to Europe. They were going to Austria. 
to see all the, you know, the old composers, their graves and everything, just to learn more about, about music. And I wanted to go so badly, but you needed to be sponsored by your parents. And so um, as I thought about it, I came to the conclusion that my father would kill me. And so I didn't bother asking him. I just said, <laughs> there's no point asking. I know he will kill me. And so the, the students went on the excursion to Austria. They came back. They had a fabulous time. And I was so bitter. <laughs> I, was so, I was so sad about it. Really, I mean, many, many years later. <laughs> We're on a WhatsApp group. And then sometimes they occasionally say, oh, remember Austria? And in my heart, I'm like... <laughs> anyway, so... We went on holiday to, I mean, when I went back home for holiday, I was talking to my father, and I said, you know, the students in my music class, they went to Austria. And he said, oh, really? Why didn't you ask me? I would have said yes. I would have paid. And I thought to myself, my word. My word. I just presumed in my heart, and I didn't ask. And so I said to myself, okay. <laughs> and that shaped the trajectory of my life. You can ask my husband. I have no problem asking. <laughs> I have no problem asking. Fast forward several years later, I had just graduated from university and I wanted to visit the, I wanted to come to the US to visit. I still lived in Nigeria then and I wanted to visit my sisters. And so I asked my father if he could pay for my, for my trip. And he said, no. <laughs> and I asked again. And he said no. And I asked again. And he said no. And eventually he said yes. <laughs> and so I traveled and I came back. But when I came back, I think even a few years later, my older brother was telling me something. He says, you know, let me tell you this story from daddy's perspective. He says my father had told him the story from his perspective. And he said, Iyo, harassed me. She bothered me, pestered me day and night. I just wanted to get her off my back. <laughs> That's why I eventually said yes. My father said some days he would wake up in the morning. I want to leave his bedroom, but he couldn't. He would open the door to peep to see if Iyang was there because I'll be sitting on the, in the living room waiting for him. And immediately I, he came up, Daddy, I want you to pay for my ticket. <laughs> And that's how I got what I wanted. I persisted. My father loved me. He loved his kids. I was the last girl. He loved me. But it wasn't that that got me what I wanted. It was my persistence. It was my persistence. The Bible says in Isaiah 62, I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silence. Give him no rest till he establishes, till he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Brothers and sisters, why are we silent? Why? Why are we silent? We must ask and keep asking. It is our right as his children to ask. Something stood out to me in Luke 22. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. I was reading about the accounts of when Jesus was just groaning and praying in the garden. And Luke 22 verse 43 says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. 
Jesus Christ knew why he came to earth. He knew he came to die. He, came, he knew he came to give his life as a ransom for many. And yet, he still asked. He asked anyway. He still asked. It was his right as a son to ask his father. The father said no. But he still asked. There is no reason why we shouldn't ask. It's up to God to make the final decision. But let us not not ask. Will you kindly keep the bone ready, please? As children, it is our right to ask. The second thing I want to say today is that we have to persevere. Persevere. Persevere means to keep at something in spite of difficulties, opposition, or discouragement. We must persevere. Persevere in two ways. First, persevere in asking. It's easy to ask once, and then your prayer is answered. Or maybe you pray for a month, or a couple months, or a year, and your prayer is answered. What about when you're praying for bitterness, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and nothing? That is where perseverance comes in. Let me say this principle. Persistence will get you what relationship will not. Persistence will get you what relationship will not. I'm going to share from Luke chapter 11. Verse 5, verse 5 to 8. But let me preface this by saying, in Luke 11, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples. And then Jesus Christ went on to teach them about prayer, the structure of prayer, the dynamics of prayer. In verse 1 to 4, he taught them, he demonstrated to them the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is full of us, full of us. Give us our daily bread. Please, don't lead us into temptation. Father, deliver us from the evil one. Heavenly Father, let your kingdom come. There's asking, there's asking, there's asking. And then after teaching them the structure of prayer, he went on to teach them the dynamics of prayer. What are the things we need to do in order to get our prayers answered? Throughout the gospel, we have examples of Jesus Christ teaching the dynamics of prayer. So for example, in one account, he said, and where you stand praying, forgive. Meaning that in order to have your prayers answered, you can't have unforgiveness in your heart. In another place, he said, when you pray, believe that you receive and you will have it. Talking about the importance of faith in prayer. And so verse 5 to 8, he's highlighting the importance of persistence in prayer. So I'll read. Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you, but I tell you this. Though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. He didn't do it because he was his friend. It wasn't about relationship here. 
those that are persistent. Those that are persistent in prayer. I often have questions. In fact, I, I, I was telling somebody um, years ago that when I go to heaven, <laughs> there's many questions I ask for the Lord. One of the questions I have is, why does it have to take so long? <laughs> why? I don't understand it. Why some things have to take so long? I still don't know the answer. One thing about the Lord, he will tell you what, he will tell you how. <laughs> He's not too, he doesn't care to tell you why many times. In the sweet by and by, many things will figure out. But I was reading something in Galatians 6 that stood out to me. Galatians 6 verse 9. And it says, let us not grow weary in doing good. How many will agree that praying is doing good? Let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. In due season. That word is a Greek word, kairos. At an appointed time. At an appointed time, we will get the answer of what we are asking the Lord. And at an appointed time. What we need to realize is that we are one piece in a bigger puzzle. The prayer that you are waiting on God, the thing you are waiting on God to do on our behalf, may be linked to what this, somebody else is praying. And he's putting everything together and making it good for everyone involved. At an appointed time, we will reap if we do not give up. Meaning, if we give up, we will not reap. If we give up, we will not reap. We must ask and keep on asking. Something the Lord laid on my heart is, we give up too quickly. We give up too quickly. Luke 11, verse 9 to 10, he continued. He says, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. And so keep persevering in asking. The second area I want us to persevere is in believing. In believing, in expecting, persevering faith. Luke 18 verse 8 said, However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? Will he find faith in the earth? Why did Jesus ask this question? Because he knew that as human beings, we get weary, we get discouraged. We are waiting for a long time, and we don't see what we're asking for. Or maybe we, we don't get the answer that we wanted. People get discouraged, and sometimes people lose heart. Sometimes disappointment sets in. And God help you if that disappointment is directed towards God. That's the worst. The Bible says in Proverbs 13 and 12, I quote this often, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And so when your hope is deferred and your heart is sick, you're just so discouraged, you've lost heart. Many people, they, 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 they walk away from God. They're like, this thing doesn't work. Or maybe you just keep going through the motions, but in your heart, things are cold. I'll share a story with you. It's a very personal story. Many years ago, over, over 10 years ago, my sister was ill, and she was in a hospital. And um, she was in the ICU. She got ill. Suddenly, it was unexpected, and she was in the ICU, and we were praying and believing God. 
My sister had been ill many times before, similar situations, and we had prayed and seen miracles over and over. And so I had no doubt, no doubt in my mind that God would come through. I was so sure. I was positive. I agreed. I stood in faith. And then she died. I remember when the doctor came out from the room to tell my, it was my mother, my other sister, and I that she had passed. I remember holding my mother and my sister's hands. We prayed, and my heart went cold, and I was dead. I wasn't angry with God. I wasn't yelling. I wasn't having tantrums. tantrums. I wasn't living. I was just going through emotions. In my heart, I was afraid. I was scared. I would come to church, and I raised my hands. I had a smile on my face. But if you asked me to believe God to pray for this person to be healed, I would recoil. Can he really do it? Will he do it? In fact, there was such a, a the, the, my, my, my faith, the, 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 the core of my faith was shattered. It was shattered. I kept living my life. Like I said, I kept coming to church. I actually moved to Boston. I was coming to preaching. And then at one point, I was in my room. I was just laying in my bed. I don't know what it was. Maybe I was praying or meditating. I don't remember. And then something came to me. Say, I forgive me. Say, I forgive. Forgive who? Like, there's nobody I have fault against. Forgive who? He said, say, I forgive you. Say, I forgive you. I forgive you. Oh, my God. It was like I had an out-of-body experience. I stood and I watched myself on the floor wailing before the Lord. You disappointed me. Disappointment is so, it's such a, it's like a boulder in the heart. When you have it, it, it just takes up space that impedes the ability of the word to work on your behalf. It took a work of the Holy Spirit that morning to deliver me and set me free. God in his mercy brought healing to me so that I was able to believe again. I was able to have faith again. I don't know if anybody here is in a place in which maybe you waited on God to do something and you haven't seen it. You've gotten discouraged. Maybe you're disappointed at God. I don't know. God is a healer and he's able to heal and to save. The amazing thing about it, it took him two years to come to me because I wasn't ready. <laughs> I wasn't ready. And when I was ready, he came. He came because he's that good. God is good and he's a healer. And so I'm encouraging us this morning to ask, to keep asking, to persevere in asking and to believe. Keep believing. If you're in a space in which you feel your faith is weak, Surround yourself with a community of believers that can undergird you and uphold you in your faith until you reach the place in which you're able to believe God again and cry out to the Holy Spirit and ask him to help you the same way he helped me. In closing, and I think I said all that to say this, 
in closing, the one thing I believe that the entire um, chapter, the, the first several verses in Luke chapter 11, when the disciples came to talk to Jesus about teaching them to pray, leads all the way to verse um, 13. The most important thing when you ask is to ask for him. Is to ask for him. We learn the dynamics of prayer, getting our everyday our needs met. We learn how to ask, how to stay in faith, how to persevere. But the ultimate reason for which Jesus Christ was teaching them the structure, the dynamics, to ask and keep asking was because he wanted us to learn to wait on the Holy Spirit. My friend said to me recently, stay with God. That is the formula for everything. For everything. The answer to everything we need is with God. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. He knows where you are hurting. He knows where the barriers are. He knows how to pray where we don't. We need him to help us. Brothers and sisters, the one message I am here to say to us today is that we should develop the culture, the habit of asking for the Holy Spirit. Luke 11, verse 11 to 13 says, You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We quote this, this verse oftentimes when we are praying for people to be baptized with the Holy Spirit as though the baptism is an event in and of itself. It's not about that. It's about the Holy Spirit. He doesn't just come once. It's a continual asking. It's a continual seeking. It's a continual knocking. The Bible said, Jesus said, it is to your advantage that the Holy Spirit comes. Because when he comes, he will reveal me to you. He will show us who Jesus is. He will enable us to behold him in order that we might be transformed. It is the Holy Ghost that has the answer to all things. It is him that we need. It is him that we should seek. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3 says, He humbled you and left you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We know this scripture from the King James. It says, man, you sh man shall live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But I saw recently in the King James, that word, word, is actually italicized. It was put there by the translators. And so if you read it in the real way it was said and spoken, it is man li lives by every proceed from the mouth of God. Yes, that includes God's word, but it in also includes his breath. What comes out from God's mouth? His breath, his Holy Spirit. Man shall not live by bread alone. I've been asking myself, Ian, in what way are you living on bread alone? In what way are you, brothers and sisters, living on bread 
alone, thinking about what you will wear, what you will eat, your job, your next paycheck, your car, your child's school fees. We are focused on bread alone. But Bible says we live by every proceed. We live by the breath of God, by the Holy Spirit, by his word. God wants us to become uncoupled by these mundane things of the world. All these things will be added to us. He said he called them, he allowed them to hunger and then fed them with manna that they had no control over to show them that the manna, the bread you need, he has it. But you, you <laughs> we are not created to be, to be yoked to the natural and mundane things. We are spirit beings and we have to live and move and walk by the spirit. Zechariah 10 verse 1 says, Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. Ask for rain in the time of the latter rain. In that region, in the Middle East, they had two seasons of rain. The first was the former rain, or called the autumnal rain. And the former rain came in about the months of September through October. And the purpose of that rain was to wet the soil. The soil was dry and arid from the summer. And so the rains came to wet the soil, to receive the seed that was going to be planted. The other rain was the latter rain. That was the springtime rain. That came between the months of March and April. And the purpose of the latter rain was to ripen the crops in preparation for the harvest. As soon as the latter rain came, you knew that the harvest was around the corner. Brothers and sisters, these are the days of the latter rain. These are the days of the latter rain. But the Bible says, ask for rain. That doesn't make sense to me. How many times in, in winter do you say, okay, Lord, let it snow. Or in the summer, okay, Lord, let the heat come. It is an automatic process that's going to happen. And yet, he says, ask for it. Ask for rain. We recognize the, the signs of rain. We've seen sprinkles here and there. We are saying, we've been saying for months, Piti is in revival. We have seen the showers. We've seen signs here, miracles here, wonders here. But this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. When we say we are praying for revival, what we are really asking for is him. We are asking for him to come. He will come. <laughs> with the blessings. He will come with the healings, with the signs and wonders. But it's him we need. It is him we seek. It is him we knock for and we ask for. Let us not conflate the purpose of revival and God's plans in the year. Revival is not for revival's sake, so that we have a good time and we sing songs. Revival is for the name of Jesus to be exalted, that he may draw all men to himself. Revival is for the lost. Revival is for the harvest to come in. It's all about the harvest. Like I read in Zechariah 10, he says, ask the Lord for rain. We do our part. 
by asking and keep asking. And he does his part. What is his part? He said he will make flashing clouds. For me, that represents the glory. He will give them showers of rain. The rain is the Holy Spirit who we ask for. And then he says he will give grass in the field for everyone. Each of us has our own patch of grass. Each of us has our own patch of grass. We are each responsible for a portion of the harvest. But first, the rain must come. First, we have to ask for Mimi. We recognize the time that we are in. We recognize it. And so I want us to, to ask. I want us to ask for him. I want us to develop a habit of asking, Lord, Lord, come. Come. We need you. We seek you. We are asking for you. Lord, come. Some of us may not know the Lord as our Savior. Maybe you've never asked him into your heart. Ask for him. Ask for him. He will come. Perhaps you may already be saved. But you haven't been baptized with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ask for him. He will come. Maybe you're already baptized and you feel, whoop, I speak in tongues. I'm good. There's more. There's always more. Ask for him. He will come. Maybe as you've heard my words this morning, it's just nothing. Ask for him. Ask him to make you hungry. Ask him to open your eyes to see your need for him. Like he did in the book of Deuteronomy. He says he calls them to hunger and to make them understand that man shall not live by bread alone. I want us to put into practice what I've just preached this morning. I want us to spend a few minutes asking. And so if you could play that song, we stay. I don't know if you guys have it. And like I encouraged us earlier, please do not be silent. Activate, do something. If there's one thing I asked the Lord for this morning, I asked for an impartation. It's not about my words. It's not about anything. It's about him coming and meeting each of us where we are. I want each of us to pray and ask for him. Ask for rain in the time of Lamentarium. I'll give us a, a few minutes and then we'll pray.
We ask for you this morning, Lord. We have asked for you, and we will keep asking to ask that you open our eyes, open the eyes of our understanding, O oh God, that we might behold Jesus more and more, that we might see you face to face, O oh God. It's you we yearn for. It's you we long. Let this word continue to burn in our hearts, oh God. Let your word settle in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. bless you, Dr. Yang. Go stand, please. Let's give God a little praise for that word. Amen. We want more. Oh, thank you. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Well, I'm here today um, representing um, Bishop in his absence. Um, as we, as our custom here at QT, we end our services with a closing blessing. And so, I'm just going to ask if you just open your hands as if to receive as I Read this blessing. This blessing is founded in its basic its foundation in the is the chapter of Ephesians three, uh, and it's words of Paul. And uh, Paul says to the Ephesians, um, "My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all of heaven." And so I am praying this on your behalf today, that I ask God that he will strengthen you by his spirit. Not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength. That Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you will be able to take in with all followers of Jesus, the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth. Test its length, plumb the depths, rise to the heights, live full lives, full of the fullness of God. God bless you as you go to your work.